What do you get when the audacious and the therapist collide? A crash course in unpolished therapy. Rachel Silvercone and Dr. Boca aren't afraid to spin out of control, tackling all the tough talk. Their weekly sesh meets at the corner of Audacity and Advice, where their wheels and yours get turned upside down. Hello, everybody. Happy Wednesday. It's Rachel Silver Cohen and Dr. Boca. So you know what that means. It's another episode where we have ditched the couch. We've grabbed the mics. We are breaking down all the wreckage here on Unpolished Therapy. Good morning, Dr. Boca. What's good? Good morning, Rach. I love our Wednesdays. I really did miss them over the summer. It's very good to see you. And thank you for always showing up like you say you will. I try. I try. As do you. Thank you. I say this a lot too. We're only as good as the people we surround ourselves with, right? We can't do it without other people. My big line, we're part and parcel. We're dumbing it down and being unpolished. You are the peanut butter to my jelly. How about that? Oh, I love that. And I love that I'm the peanut butter. Well, I mean, who? I mean, a jelly sandwich is just a jelly sandwich, (laughs) but peanut butter is that's where all the texture comes from. It does. It does. Well, thank you. Thank you. I would say that you were the peanut butter, but I'll take the compliment today. Well, you know, with peanut butter too, Dr. Boca, it's like there's so many different variants of peanut butter. When we were growing up, you had one kind of peanut butter. It was skippy, Skippy. smooth. That was it. Yep. Now there's crunchy, there's jiff, there's smooth, there's reduced fat, there's There's this fat. Natural. There's almond butter, peanut butter. There's sun butter. Sun butter. There's peanuts that aren't even peanuts that are butter, right? (laughs) So it does make the question, and I know we're kind of joking, but I feel like it's kind of a nice segue into what has happened in our world now versus when we were kids growing up. And kids growing up, you were a little girl or you were a little boy, period, end of sentence. And now Mm -hmm. go on the playgrounds and play. In today's world, and I'm sure our listeners are kind of nodding their head and mm -hmm, along with us, that like this gender identity situation, the trans world, the non-binary world, the him, shims, whims, kims, dims, rims, he, she, we, they, her, him. I think it's important enough that we talk about it and not in a tongue-in-cheek kind of way. Like we're we're not undermining, we're not making fun. I think what we're trying to do is make sense of... That's it, yes. What happened or what didn't happen, I should say? Where did we drop the ball? Why are we picking up the ball now? The Bruce Jenners, the Laverne Coxes, the Chaz Bonos or whatever that were our first big intro into the world of trans. Mm -hmm. And I would imagine in your real therapy world with Mm -hmm. patients and whatnot. And I know, of course, you know, you can't disclose. And and this is very, very important that it potentially this is a highly sensitive topic that under no circumstances are you and I having real therapy on this. I think we're just two people in the modern day world now that want to understand what this means. Our children come home and they're caught up in it because that's kind of what they know. And we as adults are learning from them because this is a whole foreign territory. It is. And I think I want to add to the disclaimer this time, which I never add to my disclaimer. I want to be a person today. I don't want to be a therapist because this is out of my scope. Um, This is something that I refer for because it's not something that I'm proficient in. It's not something that I feel somebody would want to come to me as a identified heterosexual, as an identified woman, as somebody who is just 
regular peanut butter, right? For lack of, you know, to go with <laughs> right. your analogy. Skippy peanut butter, the right. smooth, Skippy, one right? choice. Right, I have one choice, exactly. And so I do refer to my colleagues who are way more educated and way more open to, and, and not that I'm closed off to, I don't have the knowledge base. It's out of my worldview right now because it's not the path that I, I've been accustomed to and it's very new. People that are coming out of graduate school now and young professionals, I mean, I wish I could say I was the young professional, but I'm no longer that young professional. This is something that has grown up with them, has been part of them. When I was in graduate school, we had like one or two diagnoses at the time. Um, we had gender identity disorder and we had fetishes, we had uh, things like that. But it wasn't um, as comprehensive as it is today. And even on my listservs, I will see people requesting non-binary therapists or therapists who work in this culture. And that's kind of what it is. It's become a culture. And we have to be culturally sensitive. But I also know that if I am not going to be somebody that they look at who can resonate and really truly understand all the implications and all the factors that go into living this lifestyle... I'm not the right person for them. So, okay. So I think we're both in agreement that like neither one of us know anything technical or even from an educational standpoint on like what this whole thing is all about. So we're just blanket steam and putting it out there. We're incredibly naive, for lack of a better word, and unpolished, if you will, because mm -hmm. we're not well-versed. To me, back in the day, if you will, right? You're gay or you're lesbian and then that was kind or oh and bi, bi right right but now like binary or like non bi and and i also can almost i don't want to say appreciate cuz i don't want that to mean i don't appreciate mm -hmm. but i can appreciate even the scenario of i was born one gender mm -hmm. but something inside of me deep down there was this voice there was this tug there was this pull i was assigned the wrong body part and what do i do mm -hmm. i even kind of understand that because I think that's been around longer than this newer yeah. stuff. That was the gender identity disorder right. that okay. I was that we conceptualized in okay. art, right? But again, is that a psychological issue? I, I don't know. That's where I start to question those types of okay. things. Is, but now you say yep. we, and then the mm -hmm. first thing that comes to my mind is that how can one person, right, now with this like non-binary thing, like that I'm a we... Because here I am, I am one person, mm -hmm. but I identify now as both male and female, or I, that's kind of where, like, that's where the him, shim, whims come into play. What does that mean? And how do we not disregard the feelings that go behind that? Or is this nurture, nature? Is this what we see on the internet? Did this generation feel as though every color of the rainbow matters and therefore I'm blending the colors together and I'm making up my own him shim whim? Yeah, I really don't have the answer other than the fact that we can go both ways. We can argue the fact that... No pun intended. <laughs> I, yes, I'm I sorry. I know that. I mean, unpolished. Like, light because no. like, I'm just so lost. Right. No. And I've read some interesting articles about it. And I guess one could argue, and I'm not saying I'm arguing this. I'm just saying one could kind of put it in the realm of how come we didn't see as many allergies and ADHD and autism when we were younger? Is it this argument that we always have? Is it that it wasn't there or we weren't aware of it or that it wasn't socially acceptable? And so I don't know the answers to any of those 
those arguments. You know, you, you can find statistics to support almost anything. But I did read an article that was basically saying that this has become a movement. And I would say that I think with the advent of social media, information gets out a lot quicker. What is acceptable and the bounds of which way we move things and grow things become greater. And so I do appreciate exploration. I do appreciate not feeling not feeling like we have to do it the way it's always been done. And mm-hmm. so if I'm having thoughts, feelings, and beliefs that are inconsistent with who I am, yes, don't we encourage everybody to kind of think outside the box, look outside the box, and look at other options. I don't know, though, and I don't know if we even know what this will look like 10, 15 years from now, 20 years from now, if these young children who have these feelings and it's so accepted now and they go and are nurtured this way and become in cohorts with people who share the same non-binary fluidity acceptance of one or the other or three or five or want to identify as a he, shim, whatever the case may be, if that's going to stay consistent or we stay fluid and we are constantly changing, I don't know. And I'm thinking out loud through this in discussions that I've had with other people. And a lot of people our age, our generation don't have the answers. I turn to the younger people to get my information. I agree with you. I think our generation and certainly are the older generation that our parents and the grandparents and things of that nature, they're completely dumbfounded. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't say that because they're stupid. No, because no. they're just like, what? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you get an email from someone that you're doing business with. And at the end where, you know, there it's like their automatic signature, you know, their name, their phone number there. I mean, back in the day, the most nouveau thing or out of the box thing was that like, Again, that you were even getting an email, right? <laughs> right? Right? Like, what? Like, you didn't send this in a horse and carriage and the mailman didn't drop off a letter that, that had a stamp on it. Now, part of their greeting, that automatic salutation is sure. how they identify, right? Mm-hmm. So to your point about the younger kids, I mean, my children will even say to me, and again, maybe it's tongue in cheek, maybe some of it there's a little validity to where they're like, mom, when I apply to college, can I check the box that says Mm -hmm. I'm transgender or non-binary because I'll have a leg up on the quote unquote regular kid who's just legitimately like now we're not like, are we now being penalized for just being whatever color we are and that we're, we're one sexual orientated individual. Again, I would never let them do that, but it does beg the question that like, that's the new hot thing. And what does that say? Remember back in the day, years and years ago, when it was like so taboo to be gay or a lesbian or even bi for that matter. And it was like, oh my God, and how am I going to come out? And how do I tell my parents? Mm-hmm. Now it's kind of like, you know, I know people who are like loud and proud. Oh my God, sure. my, my child is this or my grandkid is that. And like, and we're like, okay, so what? We don't care. Right. Are we now in that next realm where like my daughter is now a, my son and my son is now a shim? And are we now going down the trajectory that in 30 years from now, my kid is going to say, I'm in love with a horse. And right. I, you know, I, and I'm going to turn know. into Pegasus. I mean, how much, how much how more far, right, how are far we going to get to? Or like, again, you know, I always joke around about like the case of Benjamin Button. Mm-hmm. We're going backwards from then to now. Like, are we going to now revert? And are we all going to turn back into apes? 
Right. And I, and I don't think anybody really has an answer to it. I, I know that one of the things that you, you tapped on is the signatures. I mean, when we were young, we didn't talk about our identity at all, ever. Not whether you were gay or bisexual. We didn't talk about if we were heterosexual. And people argue, well, it was a given you were heterosexual. And I was like, you know, not really. And I certainly was shocked on the listserv initially. I mean, now I'm immune to it, but I was shocked on the listserv that somebody called and and was putting out in a request for a therapist that was, you know, non-binary and worked with this community and it was part of this community because when we were in graduate school, we didn't talk about this stuff. You were not as the therapist talking about what your preferences were, what your your identity was, your religion, your politics, like that. You were the blank slate that people came in and you could almost work with, in theory, anyone. And then cultural diversity came in and then you had to understand it from their culture, but you didn't have to be of that culture. You just mm-hmm. had to be sensitive to it. And I would argue the same today with working with people going through any of these processes. You don't have to go through it to understand and empathize, but they're requesting that you are part of that community or you are part of that lifestyle or any version of, depending on what we're talking about, it's different. It's just, it's very different. So going back to the other thing about getting the information from our kids, I will relay a story where I was with my friend who has a daughter who is identifies as bisexual and her pronouns are she and her, I guess, both of those. Even the fact that like you're just saying so casually, like, her pronouns. Like right. that's a whole thing whole new, now. Whole that new. like that is part of the dialect of conversation. Like yes. what's your pronoun, huh? Yes. Like right. what's your adverb? Uh, <laughs> again, I don't want to like, I don't want to make fun of it, but it's like we have to like I, I don't hang on a second. Let me get out my dictionary and, and I'll let you know. Absolutely. And I think that this goes to an understanding of individuals, particularly the younger generations, to understand that this is all new to us and we are doing the best that we can to understand it. And it is not in our ignorance that we are being disrespectful. It's we truly don't know and need to be educated about it. So I'm sitting there amongst intergenerational. Okay. Mm -hmm. So there's from Mm -hmm. 80 down to probably 13. Okay. And one of the daughters identifies as bisexual and they're probably going to be listening to this and be like, Dr. Boca, you got it all wrong, but I'm doing okay. the best that I can to recount the story accurately. And and she's she, her, her pronouns. She has a cousin who I believe identifies as gay, who would be he, him, and then has a cousin who is not sure how they identify, but goes by they, them. So I need a piece of paper. I need uh, to take notes here. Absolutely. I, w- I didn't even get into their roommates, right? In well, college. They're like, and now you just threw me on right, there. They're um, meaning the one who's they, her, them, or they're collectively the she, the he, the him, the her, and the they, the them. Right. I've never used so many pronouns before in my life, uh-huh. right? So the she, hers, roommates, you know, one. <laughs> I'm not laughing. Just to the I'm not laughing because I'm, you know, being disrespectful. I just, it is a nervous laugh because like I really don't understand Absolutely. what I want we, to. It gets very confusing because it's not our in our lexicon to look at, you know, my first question is how is a they more than one person? 
It's a plural. And, say, <laughs> and my first question, because I'm going to hell and I know that, but like, I thought you were going to say, my first question is like, when we all go out to dinner and we make a reservation, like how many people do we tell them are coming to the table? <laughs> like, is it five people? Is it seven and a half people? Just I need to know so that there's enough food for everybody. Well, so let me finish this story because you will appreciate it. So one of the, so we're having this whole conversation and the grandfather says, in like is trying to learn this mm-hmm. and says, okay, so when so and so and used her name, um, I'm sorry, used their name. Well, they're the they them. The they the, them, right? Okay. Used their name, and so by the second sentence says, and she, and we're like, no, they, and he's like, <laughs> what? Oh, he's like, what? He <laughs> Who's tries on it again. First? <laughs> he tries it again. <laughs> I'm sorry. And, no, and messed it up again because by the second sentence said she, and we're like, no, it's they. Okay, so. His response, he does identify as a he, his grandfather, says, I don't care what your pronoun is. Mm-hmm. I want you to be happy. And I think that although that was genuine and authentic and so pure, full of love, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised, and I didn't ask them, if one of those three grandchildren felt dismissed by that, right? Or not respected by that. Right. So fast forward the next day. The granddaughter who identifies as, as she and her her college roommates came in from out of town. Mm-hmm. And my friend's fiance, who was sitting there for the conversation mm-hmm. and who is significantly older than us, but younger mm-hmm. than grandfather, mm-hmm. felt like he got it mm-hmm. and was well aware of the of everybody's pronouns. Yeah. Opens the door to <laughs> said <laughs> ladies' room and okay. says, Here you go, ladies. Oh boy. <laughs> and walked away and was like, oh my God. I fucked up. I, I, I was so prepared. I was ready to go and I fucked up. And right. And he was just like, oh fuck. Like I'm doing the best I can do. Yeah. And I think that's the message that we all have to understand. Like we're doing the best we can do. I remember when my father got his first computer. Okay. So that made us the age that these kids okay. are right now. Okay? Gotcha. And he was inputting all of his data into his computer. And I'm sitting in another room in the house. And all of a sudden he goes, oh shit. Oh shit, Lori, Lori, come here. And I'm like, what? And he goes, my mouse got to the end of the table. What do I do? I, there's no more table. I can't roll, scroll down any further. And I quickly come over and I lift up the mouse and I and put it move. back at yeah. the top of the table. Yeah. I'm like, dad, it's no big deal. Like, it's good. But he just doesn't know any better because it was all new to him. He was Mm. just learning. And I would say that to this generation that's coming up. Yes, we have moved miles and mountains. And you guys are a force to be reckoned with because you are changing what we've considered the standard of how we look at things. But you guys are pushing those boundaries and growing and making us grow. But we are not going to get there overnight. And if we don't work together for you to help us understand it and help us explain it, we are not being disrespectful. We are not being dismissive. We don't know any better. And we are going to screw up over and over and over because we are learning how to ride the bike for the first time. Yeah. And that's a mouthful. I know. I'm sitting here thinking of who's on first. Well, she's on first. But by the time she gets to second, she's a him. But then she's back to first. And no, no, they's on first. Right. And what's on third? Shim's on third. Right. Right? So it's like, that's the new generation of like, what? What? 
Right. And I, and I, and again, that's where we're going to have to look 10, 15 years yeah. ago. But is this fluid? Is this something that by the time they're 30 and they settle down with somebody, do they feel the same way that they felt before? Do they identify the same way? Or is this something that is so internal to them that it sticks no matter what and that our relationships just look different till the end of time? And that's okay too. It's just going to, we're going to have to see how this all plays out. It plays out. Yeah. Well, and the other thing too that I wonder, and again, I know this isn't real therapy and this is certainly not your area of expertise, but I throw it out there just to the podcast world and the listeners. And maybe these are things that you folks, obviously in, in the world, we're all hearing about it peripherally, but maybe there are some listeners out there that are dealing with it firsthand within their own family and the dynamics to your point about, you know, whomever your friends are that you relayed. But I wonder too, if because we are so exposed to what we see and hear with technology and television and computers and the internet and and in other countries that we've all, even though we're so spread out, there is something that connects us. Even if the connection is all of these things that are so out of the realm of what we thought we knew. I wonder if that because kids are exposed at such a young age, if some of this really I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing. I have a friend, again, you know, we're not naming names, who shared with me over the summer very recently that their very, very, very young teenage child, we're not talking Mm -hmm. about teens, 16, 17, Mm -hmm. we're talking about 12, 13, had shared that now this person is gay. You know, mm-hmm. and and again, great. Oh my God, we just want you to be happy. And again, sure. to your point, I mean, it's the first thing that would come out of my mind that I just want my kids to be happy. Right. Okay, but and at peace. And at forget peace. what we learned. Right. Yes. Oh yeah, from last season. Right. right. Do you want? Do you want to be peaceful happy. or do you right. want to be happy? Okay, fine. Well, we want both. Right. Right. But you wonder at that young of an age, I mean, these children are still going through puberty or some of them, Mm -hmm. they haven't even gone through puberty. How do they really know what it is he, she, him, whim, Kim, rim are or aren't because they're only exposed to what they're exposed to. And just by the definition of the fact that they only have 10, 11, 12 years of life under their belt, how do they really know? And then as parents or teachers or peers, or colleague, or whatever, just people in their world, you want to support as best as you can. Mm -hmm. But at one point, do you say, hold on, we are the adults, and maybe you're not sure. And then how do you guide appropriately? And that's the struggle. And I say that with all seriousness. How do you guide so that your children and your loved ones and your siblings and your parents or whoever feel loved and supported? Yeah. And it's a really hard place to be. And I, you know, as you were about to talk, I wrote down the word choice here because I want to be very clear. I'm not sitting here saying that this is a choice of everybody's, right? People do have that feeling inside of them that they are not in the right body for their identity, right? And that is not a choice. That is something that starts very, very young. And I would say the same thing about who we choose to have as our partners. We are attracted at very young ages to, it could be, you know, for me, it might be a a man, it could be a woman. I don't know. I don't control who I'm attracted to. So there are kids who very young know. And if you go back and ask people who identify as gay or bisexual, they will say very early on, I knew I was attracted to men or I knew I was attracted to women or both or whatever. So I don't think that that's a choice that they make, right? I hesitate, though, to put these same individuals in what we're seeing today, 
I do believe a lot of what we are seeing today is that same experience. But I also believe because of all these interconnectednesses, they are exposed at a very young age to the notion of options. Having options. Right. And are they being drawn to something that they saw an influencer or someone that they admired or somebody that they really liked was doing this, how much of this is imitation, you know? And we say this because when we see a shooting and we see the copycats, right? Right. Why is that a copycat, but this isn't? No, I know. It's like the shiny penny. Right. And and I will say that we, for our generation, and I think our listeners can understand this, there were people who had legitimate eating disorders, legitimate eating disorders based on their early history and all of the things that dealt with relationships and enmeshment and control in their early childhood. They came to college and they still had eating disorders. But there were also girls, at least in my sorority, that never had that upbringing. But it became a social modeling, a comparison of, oh, well, if they're only eating the bagel scooped out with whatever... I'm not going to eat any more than that because I'm self-conscious about it and I don't want to be the heavy one. Now, that's not a one-to-one parallel, Mm -hmm. but we would say it came from, and this was the argument back in our generation, that it came from magazines and it came from the little TV that we could watch. Mm -hmm. And we would look at these models and they were super, super skinny and we would hear about diets and our moms would be on diets and try all the new fads. And it became more fad-like. If you look now, at the 40, 50, 60-year-olds that struggled with it, the ones who had legitimate family history of chaos and control and enmeshment, they still struggle every day with that. If you look at the ones who picked up on it socially... It was a phase. Well, it was a phase and they have other insecurities. Mm -hmm. They They are concerned and aware of their weight, but it's a lot of, I'm also concerned and aware of do I have the the same boobs and do I have the same too many wrinkles? It's more of a vanity issue Mm -hmm. than it was a deep-seated... The control thing. Exactly. A deep-seated eating disorder. Right. So I'm just sitting here saying, what will we see 15, 20 years from now? Um, I don't don't have that answer. And I think for a large portion, we're going to see exactly what we're seeing right now because it's not a choice. But I do think that there's a percentage where there's a sorority-esque piece. All right. Well, I mean, this is a heavy topic and we could go on and on in circles. And I think at the end of the day, we don't have the answers. We have the questions. And I always do like to pose it back out to the audience because I feel, especially with this topic, if we have the questions and we're unsure, other people must. And it is important to talk about it. We want to recognize we want to accept and we want to learn yes. who people are, why they are that way. We want to love all. We want people to be happy. We want them to be healthy. But I also do want to put out there that if there's anyone who has firsthand experience in this, and I don't even just mean from a professional standpoint, but like a like a person out there who has struggled and survived and come through and they are this success story of owning who they are in whatever body they are, however they identify, how fabulous would it be, Dr. Boca, to have him or her or he or she or they or them or however you want to identify yourself on with us to educate and to help us understand. 
Absolutely. And I, I just want to make one more disclaimer here, but please, if there was anything that I said in this or anything that Rachel said in this, where we sounded ignorant or we were disrespectful or hurtful, I want to apologize ahead of time because there was absolutely no intent in that. And this is really just a learning process for all of us. And I think that we just have to accept it no matter if we're talking about gender and sexuality and identity, or if we're talking about religion, or we're talking about race, politics, whatever, there is nothing here other than the desire to understand and accept and inclusiveness. Uh, It's just how do we get there Mm -hmm. in a way that is respectful and we still have to have the conversation. So we are going to be unpolished and fuck up. And I tell that to my patients all the time. Like, I'm not an expert in everything. You're the expert of your life. Share it with me. I'm here to help you understand because the one thing I know I am is open. I am open to anything. It doesn't impact my perception of the person that I'm speaking to, their beliefs and their opinions. Mm -hmm. But we have to have those uncomfortable Mm -hmm. dialogues about Mm -hmm. it and ask these these questions like you were saying, Rachel, because otherwise we're going to go on and 10 years from now be ignorant. And then it becomes a problem because we're not accepting and we have formulated these thoughts and feelings about things. And that's when we develop these polarizations and hatreds for others. Again, yes, we want we want to be open-minded. This is a conversation. It's an open-ended conversation. The dialogue is just the beginning and it does need to continue. This may not be the right analogy. It may not be one for one, as you say, but it's kind of like, you know, if you see someone who's pregnant and like, or you're not sure if they're pregnant and like, do you say, oh my God, your belly's adorable? Do you not say you're and then you do, and then you fucked up because they're just fat right. <laughs> and they're not, you know, like right, these are the right. type of things we want to be able to know what we don't know. Absolutely. And we don't want to apologize for not knowing. We're saying, let us in, help us learn, help us grow so that whatever you are and whatever makes your your mind tick is something that we can we can understand. And I want to put a shout out to my friend's family that did educate me Mm -hmm. and had the conversations. I know it's frustrating. I know it's frustrating to be a 20, almost, I think, 21-year-old sitting here talking to a 47-year-old saying, how do you not fucking understand? Like, no, you're a moron, Dr. Boca. But I do appreciate those conversations. Mm -hmm. I do appreciate asking my kids and their understanding of it because I never thought I was going to be the person who didn't know how to use the mouse on the computer, but I really am the person who doesn't know how to use the mouse on the computer. So thank you to everybody. And I think the world will be a better place if we can all have these conversations. Absolutely. Absolutely. And on that note, to everyone out there, thank you for listening to us today, whatever your pronoun. Call us, email us, let us know what your questions are at Unpolished Therapy on Instagram and Facebook. Twitter, we are at Untherapy Mm -hmm. on Twitter. If you want to be part of this conversation. We would always love to have you. So on that note, we thank everyone for listening to us today. It is a conversation that we will continue to dive into as the weeks go on. When we meet here every Wednesday on the corner of Audacity and Advice, where our wheels and yours get spun upside down. Thanks for listening, everyone. Have a great week. Great sesh, girls. Hey, everyone. Like what you heard? Then don't miss out on what comes next. Subscribe now and please give the girls a five-star rating. Learn more at www.unpolishedtherapy.com. Find and like them on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. 
We'll see you next week when Rachel Silvercone and Dr. Boca ditch the couch, grab the mic, and break down all the wreckage. 